You're listening to Tech Nest, the PropTech Podcast. In each episode, you'll hear from PropTech founders, investors, and industry veterans on how they're using tech to change the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. Discover market opportunities, interesting data, growth tactics, and trends driving the industry forward. This isn't just another podcast about making money in real estate. This is about how we live. And now your host, Nate Smoyer. People buckle up. We got a we got a fire guest for the show today. Zach, welcome to the show. Great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have you back. We were just talking. It's been almost four years since you've been on the show. We're trying to figure out when I was on the show. Because let me break down what my experience in my memory is like. I'm sitting in my place in upstate New York where we left on March 13th. We left to move up there because New York City was shutting down and they were telling people, the local government was saying, if you can afford to get out of New York, get out of New York. And all the schools were shutting down. My kids were going on spring break anyway, coincidentally. I remember being up there. We actually ended up moving up there until May of that year. We didn't come move back into Brooklyn until May of 2020. But I remember being on this podcast during like the nadir of the pandemic, let's call it April of 2020. That could also be a complete false memory. And we could have done it before everything shut down. Either one would be a super interesting then and now case study. Because was... the world is not only different from the world during the pandemic, the world is different from the world before the pandemic in meaningful ways and not just mm -hmm. our little world of prop tech, but <laughs> the world <laughs> from oh, a wow. macro perspective. And, and the other thing we were reminiscing about was, you know, um, you've had, uh, you've moved physically like where you live, which is a huge, you know, life change. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And if I'm right, that, the last time we did this podcast, I was living upstate. You know, I, I, I've been living back in Brooklyn since then. But but for that brief period, we were very much, you know, I had everything was uh, uh, upstate and there could have been an, uh, uh, another flap of the butterfly wings. And we would be, I guess, living permanently up in, you know, Germantown, uh, New York, in, in Columbia County instead of back in, in Brooklyn. It's, it's interesting that you say, like, there could be a made up memory. Of trying to think of where things are because obviously I think everyone has a timeline based on the pandemic and what happened during the pandemic of like what their life has been like the last few years. Now my podcast timestamp says January 13, 2020. So basically we had Mark Andreessen talking about how this was going to shut the world down. Salesforce was just talking about canceling their conference. You know, South by Southwest was still on schedule to happen, you know, and I remember thinking this is ridiculous and then less than a month later i remember uh lawrence uh Janklo, the co-founder of avail and i talking and we were like hey i think this is kind of 
a big deal. And we actually sent everyone home before the city of Chicago sent everyone home. Um, but before we go too far in that, I have to do some, I have standard protocol podcast stuff here. I've got to introduce the guest. I know we just did some bantering. Zach Aaron's co-founder, general partner at the well-known and well-established firm Metaprop. They're true pioneers when it comes to investing in prop tech. Been doing it now for 10 years, I believe is about the the track. Uh, and legend has it that Zach gives some of the best tours of New York City. I've heard that. I've heard some whispers about that. Uh, Metaprop, got to talk about this too. Most prolific early stage investment firm when it comes to prop tech companies. I have worked for two of uh, Metaprop's portfolio companies. I've also advised and mentored others. So it is truly an honor and privilege to have you back on the show. Thank you very much. Um, And thank you for mentioning I am I did. One of the tragedies of COVID was that I let my uh, New York City sightseeing license lapse. I couldn't quite figure out how to renew it online. You need a license for that? <laughs> Are you kidding you me? A license to charge people to do it. If you want to give a tour to me of New York City for free, the Department of Consumer Affairs allows you to do that. The second you try to transact, they oh yes, you do need a license and you need to get a D plus on a multiple choice test, which I did. I scored spectacularly. I got a D plus slash C minus. And I am, you know, I still have my card. And I like to think if I went down to D- DCA, they would, I, and I, 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 I would need to retake the test though, Nate. So, uh, here, here's. I'd like to put a challenge out to the to the listeners of 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 the podcast. Um, you know, let like let's do a GoFundMe or something to get me the training I need to get my license back uh, mm. in shape. I just so, came across you know, a guy on Instagram that does Christmas tours in New York City. So amazing! I, I, I I've done every type of theme tour. I've done a Saturday Night Fever tour of Bensonhurst and Bay Ridge. Um. That's probably my favorite one. And I was fortunate enough to recently watch the Bee Gees documentary. Uh, Mm. If any listeners have not seen that, um, please watch it. Uh, It's excellent. Didn't even know there was one. And then in terms, yeah, I I appreciate your thoughts. You know, we, 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 um, we have been investing in the sector for a long time. We've invested in now we have 120 active portfolio companies as a firm uh that doesn't include the companies that have exited or gone Mm -hmm. belly up and that also doesn't include my personal portfolio um pre-metaprop as well as my colleagues pre-metaprop portfolio um you know that still has a couple dozen active companies uh in it and then obviously over the years we've had a lot of companies get get acquired uh uh or go under uh or some permutation thereof um, so, so, you know, in terms of I've invested in some way, shape or form, either through the Metaprop suite uh, of venture capital funds, we now have five, uh, five funds um, for both early and growth stage uh, prop tech and AEC tech. But, um, you know, I've been involved in call it 250, 300 of these early stage prop tech built environment tech businesses. 
um, and a handful of businesses in other um, technology sectors as well over the years. Um, I got started in prop tech specifically. The first time I made an investment, the first prop tech investment I made is still an active company in my personal portfolio. It's a company called CompStack. Um, mm. I actually went to go present at the CompStack headquarters in New York a couple of weeks ago. And I was reminded that the founder of that company, Michael Mendel, um, effectively made up that he had a round that needed to close by uh, New Year's Eve. Of I think it was New Year's Eve 2010 or 2011. And, you know, me being naive, I had made other investments before, but not not necessarily prop tech. And I was really new to the game. I was like, OK, you know, you seem like a normal dude. So I so I wired him the money. Um, I wired him the money on, you know, right before going out. This is before I had kids even uh, right before going out for New Year's Eve. Um, it was either New Year's Eve 2010 or New Year's Eve 2011. Uh, Comstack wow. at the time, it was really just Michael and Vadim. And they were they were working out of uh, of 500 startups. Uh, they were in the that accelerator program out in Mountain View, California, at the time. And I was you know sitting in New York. I had found Comstack on AngelList. Uh, back then, AngelList was more about sort of like connecting young companies mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, rather than you know creating the sort of infrastructure. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, um, that's how Avail got its early. Funding. They they did a, a pre seed round on AngelList. I think that yeah. Was, what year was that? I think that was before uh, they, they went through the um, MetaProp accelerator. Definitely. So, so they went through. So so I'm talking about a period much before we started MetaProp. The mm -hmm. the Comstack investment and sort of my first entree into prop tech investing, and also keep in mind I was a prop tech customer for many years uh doing my day job which was working for millennium partners doing um land use work development work entitlement work mm -hmm. uh, some leasing a lot of property management uh etc mm -hmm. so i would say i was starting to do uh prop tech as a customer and angel investor you know that first comstack investment i was off to the races I was given additional encouragement um, while I was at business school between 2011 and 2013, um, most notably from from Stu Elman of RRE Ventures, who kind of pushed me to to see this opportunity. Um, and then I met Aaron Block in 2014. Uh, we started kicking around ideas about this stuff as soon as we met. And then we ultimately launched Metaprop uh, as an accelerator. Um, Labor Day Eight years ago. Yeah, I read the I read the blog it's, post you just put out. Uh, eight years ago, launched the accelerator. This will be your ninth uh, cohort coming up. So, so our uh, my colleagues actually surfaced that blog post for me. I hadn't looked at it since I'd written it in 2015. And you know what's interesting is 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 while PropTech uh, is much more mature than it was then there's still a lot of a lot of holes for young companies that need to be plugged and mm -hmm. there are a lot of ecosystems right now which i'm really encouraged to see globally that look a lot like what new york looked like in 2015 like if you go to tokyo or lagos nigeria or bogota or mexico city right now mm -hmm. the vibe the prop tech vibe is akin to 
NYC or Chicago, right, where Avail, then known as Renolutions, was started in 2015. Oh, gosh. You had to remind everyone of how bad that first name was. I don't think Ryan will get mad at me for saying that. (laughs) When, look, we look for coachability, right? And I knew the founders were coachable when the first thing I told them was Renolutions was a terrible name, and they're like, we get it. Hold on. on it. We're going to get a better name. You just got to trust us. And my, my favorite story, my favorite story was when, when they rebranded from Rentolutions to Avail. I don't know if it was a board member or investor, but that was how either a board member or investor found out how to even pronounce Rentolutions. They had been saying it wrong the whole time. They didn't even, <laughs> that's how they realized they'd been saying it wrong it was after the rebrand. Saying Rentolutions. Which yes. is congratulations, but rentolutions is solutions for rent. They were saying rentolations, <laughs> which is congratulations, you've paid your rent, or congratulations, you've collected your rent. The takeaway there for founders listening is that if you have a terrible name, that's okay. Just keep moving forward. Someone's going to help you get to a better place where you'll have something that's more attractive. In the formerly bad name category, recently awesome rebrand, got to give a shout out to Kelvin from the Metaprop Fund One portfolio. Same time as the investment in Rentolutions, they used to be called Radiator Labs. Not that Radiator Labs is a bad oh, name, yeah. but it is a limiting name. And so people now think of them as they should, because the one of the most exciting companies in our portfolio, think of them as a clean tech prop tech company writ large rather than mm-hmm. a company that exclusively works for steam radiator buildings. They do a lot of right. awesome stuff for steam radiator buildings. They also can function for other types of buildings and we're coming for the whole market. So, well, you know. I mean, just New York city alone by regulations, there's a lot building owners have got to do like, that's no longer putting off when it comes to reducing their carbon footprint. Yeah, I mean the products coming to uh, the 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 market pull. I mean is coming to the product in this case. People realize they have to do it. People realize it's just good business, you know. Even if it's a tough um, to get the money up front, free it up in your capital budget. Like it starts paying off. The payback is so quick, and then also, yeah, regulation moving in this direction. It's not just in New York. You know, you have regulation moving in this direction at the municipal state or federal level um, in, a, in, a, in a ton of jurisdictions right now. Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think I think they're in a good spot. But yeah, they, 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 there's a lot more that company can do when it's called Kelvin than when it's called Radiator Labs. I like Kelvin. It's a good one. So we talked a little bit about some of the, the ebbs and flows here, right? What's what's not changed? Is we are in, in the middle. BC prop tech, you know, living. But what what do you, you think is not changed over the last? Yeah, years? Uh, we we are we are in the middle of a hundred year software adoption supercycle in the built environment. You can say we're smack in the middle of it because the first software product specific mm-hmm. designed for real estate came to market in nineteen seventy three. Well, that was JD before Cosar. Who was it? JD Edwards was the first. Okay. Still exists technically under Oracle's suite. So the same time they were 
inventing and selling J.D. Edwards, 1973, DJ Cool Herc, Cedric Avenue in the West Bronx is throwing a party and inventing hip hop. Right? So we are in the 50th year of PropTech and the 50th year of hip hop. Well, that's a little concerning because hip hop is at a peak, right? No, hip hop can, st- again, hip hop. You think hip hop has more room to go? 100 year super cycle in year mm. 50. PropTech, 100 year super cycle in year 50. Metaprop was founded technically eight years ago, but let's say it was founded. 10 years ago for the argument's Mm -hmm. sake, just to keep the numbers Mm -hmm. around. We are also in the midpoint of a 20 year mini cycle. The hundred year super cycle is software adoption and data visibility adoption, call it Mm -hmm. in the sector. That process Mm -hmm. is so challenging. It is going to take another 50 years to get to where we want to get within that. And this is why I was so pleased to reread my post from 2015. We are in year 10 of what we call the consumerization of the enterprise. So in the old days, enterprise software, not to knock J.D. Edwards, it had to look and feel like J.D. Edwards for people to trust it. Nowadays, enterprise software can look and feel like Comstack or Avail, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. But we're still not there globally when you go to other markets where we spend a lot of time the enterprise software is not at the same quality it's not easy to understand it doesn't have a clean and elegant user interface so that's why i say if you call our 20-year mini cycle consumerization of the enterprise globally we're in the middle of that and within zoom back out we're in the middle of a hundred year mass digitization Mm -hmm. cycle in this industry. Doesn't AI change all that though? Like, doesn't it change all of our expectations of how long it's going to take to advance things and to improve? And I mean, real estate's complicated for many reasons, but one of it is just like the fragmentation of and reliability of data. Yeah. I mean, I, I was just at the real deal, uh, their TRD.AI conference in Miami. And the first thing I said was before, if you're a real estate owner or service provider or broker, before you think the AI is going to show you where to buy property and do magic stuff like that, mm-hmm. have it try to write an email for you or do a mm-hmm. listing for you because that stuff it can do really well now. If your data gets good enough, you might, and, and this will coincide with the technology getting better and faster, I think um, we can effectively, we can effectively figure out um, how to make the AI work in the way you want it to, but that's going to take another 10 years. So yeah. Is AI changing all this? I would say, no, the AI is enabling my already ambitious targets of digitization, right? Like if you had asked the founders of J.D. Edwards in 1973, do you think they would have, they would have probably said more in our industry would be digitized by now? I agree. So I don't think that that five years ago, of course, right. Yeah. Like if we could have, started this pot like 
we could have started this podcast only 10 years ago and it would have been niche up until about five years ago. And then it became kind of mainstream, this topic, right? Mm. Mm. That's the 20 year microcycle. In reality, that's an illusion because I just told you the first software was delivered in 1973 before you and I were born. <laughs> So, <laughs> so yeah, so, so we have to level set about just how archaic and paper-based and non-digital and analog this industry has been before mm. we can possibly. So to answer your question, no, AI is not changing it. It's enabling this aggr- already aggressive timeline. That's fair. Like, look at, I think that's uh, fair. We were, we were just talking about the mid-market in the United Mm -hmm. States and their ability to buy software. The fact that the mid-market exists in the United States is almost unique. You don't have a mid-market in real estate and construction in other countries. You have an elite group of mega bigs and they're super professional and enterprise. And then it falls off a cliff and it's all, you know, uh, a paper-based, long-tail you know, the avail type customer. And there's nothing wrong with that. But until we have professionalized mid-markets in these other countries, Mm -hmm. um, we're not close to where we need to be. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this. Is there anything really wrong with just kind of leaving some things as they are, right? Real estate's been operating, it's been functioning. And you know this, there's a lot of resistance to new things, right? The title has a certain way it works. We have certain processes for due diligence. We have certain processes where people need to physically go look at things. Is it okay to leave things as they are? Can we, is there some things where we should just say, Hey, look, this is good enough. Let's not, let's not break that. Yeah. There's certainly categories, but, but there are certain categories where, you know, the, the old way is just not working, right? You see some of the litigation that's that's happening. You see some of the regulation mm-hmm. that's happening. Yep. Um, you see some of the investor preference and lender preference of who they want to do business with happening. Um, so whether people want to ignore digitization or not, I think at some point there is a forcing function, right? We were talking about the regulation in the context Mm -hmm. of Kelvin. Um, We were talking about this idea of realizing that if you want the unlock from AI, Mm -hmm. you need to get a handle on your data. And if you want to get a handle on your data, you need to adopt technology at the asset level And then at the portfolio level. And so I think now there are enough folks in our ecosystem who genuinely want that and now genuinely understand that they can't have what they want without digitizing the base layer and and architecting it elegantly. And that combined with the pressure from regulators institutional investors, lenders, et cetera, right? One example is in Europe and maybe at some point in the States or in certain States, one can obtain 
meaningfully cheaper debt financing for assets that pass certain sustainability standards, right? Uh, so, so they're getting lending preference based on their environmental impact. Lending rate preference based on their environmental impact. So if you have a wow. situation like that where you can access a whole pool of credit capital that is without question cheaper, right? Because it's it's three versus five or six versus eight, whatever it is, it's meaningfully cheaper. Mm-hmm. And the only way to show that you're sustainable is if you have data. And the only way to show your data is by adopting software. We are effectively creating through a combination of regulatory environment, investor preference, um, and product improvement, I would say, we're effectively creating the environment we all want. Does that mean every single process needs to be digitized today in every single market? No. I think we need to be focusing as an industry on where we can make the most impact. Um, And, you know, it's definitely a valuable debate to have that. I think for me, you know, we gravitate as Metaprop we gravitate more toward investing most of our capital into highly scalable, high gross margin software businesses, but mm-hmm. also reserving a chunk of it for stuff that is truly transformative and can mm-hmm. truly move the industry forward from carbon emissions perspective, safety perspective, um, resiliency perspective, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, I, I think there's there's a handful of like, I, I see little, little bits and pieces of this, right? I mean, you know, from my time at OB, we were, you know, one, one thing is like an insurance company, you're looking at like, hey, we have to spread risk. And it's not just like, because of weather patterns today, but what's changing and moving forward. And the only way to really know where, you know, if you want to talk about like where the puck is going for weather patterns, if you will, or, or uh, climate, you've got to, you've got to harness large amounts of data of the past and model that, you know, and uh, you know, I just had a, um, you know, I know that I don't think CoreLogic is a portfolio company, you guys, but I mean, I just had John Rogers on, he's their innovation officer. And we talked about this thing, they, they run a large number of scenarios to a large number of data points to model out the risk of lending to a property. And this is still the early stages. So it, you know, it sounds like that's probably something that's to come uh, as the data gets better. Then we unlock the true power of that data through AI modeling, not necessarily the AI modeling, making everything just magically better. Yeah, I mean, the past 10 years, we've spent getting everybody up on these software solutions, right? Now everybody's Mm -hmm. got a tenant engagement platform and an ERP and a project management platform and a leasing platform and a design platform. Now the next 10 years are going to be about getting it to work for everybody (laughs) in a clean (laughs) and efficient way without adding administrative burden, right? The goal is to reduce administrative burden, right? And so I think I'm... I remain, you know, very excited about where the sector is going and um yeah, I think uh I think if you look at the people we're interacting with right now mm-hmm. at these firms, the real estate companies, they're 
sophisticated. Number one, their role didn't even exist when we started Metaprop. Just a level set, right? If we're going to level set within this 100-year super cycle, they certainly didn't exist in 73. They didn't exist in 13, okay? And they just started to exist, I don't know, four to five years ago. And part mm-hmm, of Metaprop's mm-hmm. mission early on, and still to a to an extent to this day, was helping real estate and construction organizations think about how to set those up and who to put in them. And if you look at the industry now, a lot of the people who fill those roles, um, we either help recruit them or they were a former employee of ours. (laughs) So, like, hopefully that stuff pays dividends over time. So the level of conversation, when I call over to my counterpart now in 2023 at one of these organizations, the conversation I have with them is eons in the future of the conversation I was attempting to have with some random person in their organization 10 years ago, right? 10 years ago, entrepreneur would come to me. I'd be blown away by it. And I'd be like, oh, great. Let me get this in front of like somebody at some real estate company. And it would really be like throwing darts. Um, Now it's like, oh no, I know the practice person and I know the innovation person. And chances are, I help recruit the innovation person or the innovation person used to be one of my business partners or colleagues. So like, I'm going to call him up and I'm going to be like, you want to talk? Like, let's talk Turkey about this business. Here's what they do. Here's the ICP. Here's who within their org they sell to. Is it a priority or not? Is it in the budget this year or not? Cause I'll hang Mm -hmm. up. I'll see you at blueprint. Like we can still hang out. We're buddies, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, but like, but, but, but if this is not a priority, you can let me know. Whereas back in the day you would get, you wouldn't get that person because that person didn't exist, let alone being a highly sophisticated, highly trained professional. And you'd be yeah. like, can you get this thing to the people? And they were like a random broker and they'd be like, yeah, sure. Like, of course, like I'm loved internally. And be like, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, because I'm familiar with, cer- you know, certain companies within the, the, the portfolio, and I'm not going to make this like a promo fest, but I think it's good to point out like specific examples. Let's talk about on-site IQ. Like what on-site is doing, and for those that don't know, and I'll, I'll do my best to describe it here, and, 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 uh, you know, they enable for like stage by stage documentation of how a building is built by using 360 degree camera. Uh, tours. They, you know, they tour the building, 360 degree cameras, document where the building's at, the stages of different things, and then are able to build, you know, time stamped floor plans of the actual building and where it's at. And like simple problems, right? When the electrician comes in to put in the, uh, or, or to like make sure the outlets are all working and put the outlet cover on, and they go back to their outlet that they know they installed a month ago, and it's gone. Well, it's not gone. It's just behind the drywall. And we know that because they would see that, right? That, and that's a very common thing that happens, you know, or someone moves a sprinkler pipe and now it's not conforming to inspection. And so then we have to go back and find out who did what and that sort of thing. But that actually causes real problems. But the long term here is we've seen is the expense of retrofitting buildings is so exorbitant. We To know how the building was built and what's where and where it's at in the actual stages we can actually solve a lot of maintenance and updates and problems down the line, which means the long-term hold and operations of the building actually becomes much better financially. Yeah, absolutely. I think 
a company like Onsite IQ would not have been possible 10 years ago, right? right. Let's talk about all the things that came together to make that business possible. Um, you had an entrepreneur who was following a doctoral thesis at Cornell Technion on Roosevelt Island here in New York City. Cornell Technion <laughs> is brand new. I mean, that campus itself, um, I don't know, we can we can check the date after we're done recording, but that campus itself that enabled this sort of scientific exploration, which became the underlying technology, um, that was a new addition to New York City. And for those of you not educated about it, it is a joint venture between Cornell University in Ithaca, New York, and Technion University in Israel. Um, and it is a campus uh, mainly focused, you know, on science, but they do a lot of this construction technology stuff. We've actually backed 2017. Two what's what's the date 2017. on it? 2017. So, yeah. So this this is a this is a fresh program on the block in New York. Metaprop is coming with its accelerator program, only two years old at the time in 2017 when we took this entrepreneur into the program. Um, so the infrastructure. Right. That's a very this cycle uh, kind of thing. Um, we were able to effectively get the technology um, into a commercializable form. Um, you know, we have been working with that team over the years, you know, to develop it. Another thing they've done recently is they recruited um, a guy named Mike Petnella who was one of the chief sales people at building connected, which, which exited to Autodesk. Uh, so mm. one of the things you see about ecosystem building and compounding is that you need early exits like that. So building connected, which was a business that I funded in 2013, I think exited in 2018. Um, a bunch of the team spent some time at Autodesk. So you now have people in the industry, you know, like yourself, Nate, uh, not to blow too much smoke to the host, but you have people who, have been doing this for a long time at multiple mm -hmm. companies. And when you bring them into a company that's already experiencing product market fit and you're seeing Moore's law working in real time on the technology side, combined with customer pull coming from the adoption, mm -hmm. you really have an explosive cocktail there. And it's back beautiful. when I started you had to mash people together. You had to take someone from JLL and someone from Google, mash them together, hope they created a good company. Now you have people who've worked at Avail for many years, Onsite IQ for many years, Building Connected, Autodesk for many years. And when you're funding the alumni of these companies, the quality and speed to market is just unprecedented. And I, and I truly believe that's going to continue to snowball the pace of innovation in the sector. You know, mm. you found a team that's come out of Procore together. They just know how to do this stuff. In the old days, it was yeah. like, well, my uncle had a construction firm and my cousin worked at Google and we're going to see if it works. It's like, ah, oh, I got like I hear I hear those pitches from like back in the day. And it's like, ah, oh, like that's what I had to do. That's the talent pool I was picking from. Like, come on. <laughs> so you're saying that uh, founders these days. Let's say they don't come from prop tech, right? Maybe they come from the real estate side. Maybe they come from the tech side. They really ought to find someone who's been in the song or dance once or twice. If you can't find team. someone, yeah, to be core early on your team who's been at one of these firms, VTS, you know, there's now, then, then shame on you. 
honestly. You don't have to always listen to the person because if you're trying to make mm-hmm. the industry go forward, right? Like, like, like you don't want to do what's been done before necessarily. But like, if you don't get the perspective of what it's like in the trenches, selling to the real, I'm talking to the real customer. I'm not talking about the innovation team. I'm talking about the buyer, the, the, yeah. the person yep. who's got to put it in their budget. Like, good luck because you're competing against someone who has, who I'm backing. So good luck, you know? All right, I got one other topic I want to get to here. Yeah, because I, I gotta, uh, I gotta run in a, in, to a lunch in a, in a couple. What's so, your, what's your timeline look like? Has to, Riverside has, I have to keep it open, right? Yeah, yeah. What's what, what's your what's your time block here? What do you got? I have like twelve fifty. Twelve fifty. Okay, we got. Was that four four minutes my time? No, Seven. fourteen minutes. Seven, Seven minutes. minutes. Seven minutes. All right, real quick here lightning round because i want to get to the bottom of the show our standardized questions but before that who are you really excited about what company individuals are you looking at right now the work they're doing that you're stoked on you got 60 seconds inside the portfolio or outside it i don't care all right my well everyone in the portfolio knows my favorite portfolio company is mapped it's amazing if it, because it enables the entire prop tech ecosystem to function if you're a landlord or property manager and you put mapped into your building, you can put it, it makes it infinitely easier to put any other prop tech solution into it in the future. So I'm going to go with mapped. Cool. Um, maybe one outside of the portfolio. Brimstone and anybody trying to deal with low carbon cement because, uh, or, or in their case, they say somehow negative car. I don't know what they're doing. It's crazy stuff. Cool stuff. Anybody dealing with low clinker, you know, low carbon cement, uh, cement is like 9% of global emissions. I think that's super cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, We haven't backed a horse in that race yet. Is that the company that um, helps buildings capture their carbon and then they have the trucks pull up, fill the tank? That's That's very cool that I'm I'm into that kind of stuff too. No, this is a, this is a company that actually makes cement. Okay. So, so I'm, I'm going to, I want to, I want to share that one because I've never forgotten this one, this company and I can't, it's escaping my brain. They install carbon captures on buildings, help capture carbon dioxide on site. Then they don't even own these trucks. These tanker companies own the trucks. Okay. They come up and they collect the carbon. And my understanding is they actually buy the carbon. Yeah, from... well, because they sell it. They sell it to bars. That's if you ever go to a bar and you have a club soda. That's where the that's what the where it comes. But from. it's also for concrete because the alternative that's to correct. buy large amounts of carbon that's dioxide correct. necessary for cement, which is an additive into concrete, is actually from the Middle East. We actually ship over. So there's, it's a net negative effect on the world, or I guess it's like net positive carbon footprint. Um, we have to actually spend a lot more. Or expand yeah, carbon it's, it's footprint. Ship carbon over. So it's a significant, yeah. solves many problems. I love it. Okay, we're going to get to the, the bottom of the show here. You know how this goes. Metaprop, one year from now, what's it look like? Very similar to how it looks today. I mean, I want to be in turbulent times. I want Metaprop to be like a place where people can look to that is stable. There it is. Number two brought us the broad questions here. What happens to prop tech funding over the next five years? 
Um, it's going to continue. It's going to, you know, we had a, we had a little slowdown peak year 21, but if you look at the stats for 22 and 23, they're much higher than you feel they are anecdotally. I think, uh, you, you, the numbers don't really crystallize until later next year. So we don't really know. Um, but I think you see, you know, continued, not berserko growth, but continued, you know, sustained arithmetic growth. If you look at prop tech funding still compared to fintech funding, it's still, 40% of fintech funding. And I think it should be more like 60 to 70%. So I think even with the sort of sugar high of 20 and 21, um, prop tech funding can still grow domestically. And then if you look internationally, um, it needs to oh, grow. It's going to be exponential. It needs to grow because yeah. so, so we have this exercise. I know I'm taking more than 60 seconds, but in, in, if you look at the Japanese real estate market commercially, it's about a quarter of the size of the U S market. If you look at Japanese invest, investment of the VC ecosystem into prop tech companies over there, it's one twentieth mm-hmm. of what it is over here, right? Mm-hmm. So that 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 gap needs to close. I'm not saying it needs to be what it is in the U.S., but but if you think about it, that gap's gonna gonna most likely close over the next decade. What's one industry trend do you think will continue, but you wish would go away? Like. I don't know, a lot of people getting funded for like really not that challenging to set up low gross margin businesses that you can just buy early users and they, they those people are hoodwinking VCs into series A's when like really good companies aren't getting funded. That's fair. All right, <laughs> final of the for the future. <laughs> What's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of tech advances? I think what's dramatic is nothing's going to fade away. No category fades away completely. I think COVID has taught us that even if it's overbuilt in certain markets, retail still essential, office is still essential. It's just overbuilt in certain markets. That doesn't mean it needs to not exist as a category. I think people rush to make snap judgments. So I think what's going to shock you is that while certain assets will get repurposed, you're going to see a lot of office buildings that are also vertical farms and data centers and a bunch of other stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't think you see this massive shift of like real estate asset types in the way others are forecasting. I want to stick to our time allotment here. Greatly appreciate having you on the show. We're going to I am going to skip over the the final three questions here. Um, In lieu of that, I'm going to recommend if everyone hasn't done it. PropTech 101, I'm going to plug the book. I know this is a few years old, but I think well, this is still timeless. We just it translated into reading. Japanese. The Japanese version is hot off the press. The Korean Boom. version was translated in 22. We want to get it into every language that exists on planet Earth. Most importantly, I'm working on a comic book right now. It's kind of like Guardians of the Galaxy meets Million Dollar Listing. Everybody in it is a character inspired by somebody from the real estate prop tech ecosystem. So when it (laughs) drops next year, it's going to totally change the whole. You know how in all on all comic series, there's like a reporter who's on the scene that's covering like the villains and heroes going at it. I'm not saying I need to be that guy in a comic book, but I think I would play a really good, you know, if you need media on the on the on on the scene for your like an April O'Neil type of vibe. Well, I mean, I, come on, give me a better 
April O'Neil was her. was was very essential to the early yes. uh, to the Ninja Turtles narrative. Yes, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. But he was know. a reporter. Who you're thinking, Clark Kent? Who but are you? Kind of cool. Oh, it's Lane. Thank you. You think I'm a you think I'm a I'm a superhero as well? Does undercover as the media journalist? Tech, you're not the superhero prop tech wants, but you're the superhero prop tech deserves. <laughs> oh man, I'll, I'll leave it at that. We're gonna close with that comment, Zach. Um, great having you on the show. Uh, for those who don't know, follow him on Twitter and LinkedIn. I think those are the best places to find you. Metaprop.vc. Anything else you need to plug? No, I mean I'm the my I'm on the podcast circuit too, so trying to do oh, as many of these. There it is. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Can't wait to to see you. Hopefully, we'll. I know we'll, we're at the same events all the time, but maybe one of these times we'll get our schedules to align. <laughs> yeah, do this do this live at an event is fun. You bet. Thanks for listening to TechNest, the PropTech podcast. Find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode on technest.io. You can get future episodes delivered to your ears directly by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all other major podcast apps. Follow TechNest on social media to stay up to speed on new developments, resources, and announcements in PropTech. <laughs> Your support is greatly appreciated. There's two ways you can directly support this podcast. Share episodes you find interesting and then leave a review of the show in the App Store. From Nate and the TechNest team, thanks for listening.